welcome into another episode of That's the Truth. I am your host, Jay Gallegos. I'm so happy and I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in with us and I hope you've been following along. We've had tremendous guests so far. We're just privileged and honored to be able to sit and have conversations that allow us to grow and to learn new things and conversations that inspire us to continue reaching new levels, new potentials. And the entire idea of having these essential conversations are to give us the building blocks and to give us uh, essential tools to be able to become what God has called us to be. And today I have a special guest. And just like all the guests that come on to the the podcast, they're all special. They all have phenomenal wisdom. And by the way, if you haven't been following along, we've had tremendous guests like Joseph Perez. We've had Andrew Puentes here recently. We had Ron Smith. We've had Katie Flores. We've had um, Raised to Stay author uh, Natalie Runyon, Pastor Ryan Franklin from POA. And the list goes on and on and on. And if you've missed any of those conversations, I want to invite you to go back and listen to that. And you're going to learn so many different things, uh, phenomenal nuggets of wisdom and we're blessed to be able to have access to amazing leaders, amazing thought leaders, amazing uh, pastors and uh, different uh, pre- different types of presence that, that influence us and allow us to be able to continue stretching our mind and continue getting closer to God in so many different ways and practical uh, takeaways, axioms, and and maxims that we can uh, apply to our life. So there's so much value there. Go back and tune into that. If you haven't subscribed, go ahead and do so. Uh, I'd love if you share it with someone, if you feel that there's a word that they could also benefit from. And we want to provide value to every single episode. And then today is no exception because today we have a dear friend, uh, an, an amazing leader, and we have uh, an amazing communicator and just a, a tremendous heart for for serving people and serving others. And we've learned so much from her. We've had uh, the opportunity of getting to know each other over the last few years, being connected through hyphen ministry, which is young adults for the ones that don't want um, never heard of the phrase hyphen. That's young adults, 18 to, to 30 or so. Uh, and we've had tremendous, it's been a tremendous blessing and a tremendous honor to be able to share time with Sister Mitzi Monday, and she's here with us today, and we're going to have an amazing conversation. And I'm just delighted that you're here, Sister Mitzi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here once again. Yeah, absolutely. We've been looking forward to having you, and we've been counting down the days. We've been preparing, and we've been um, just excited about it. So we're, we're, we're glad that we're here. Same, same. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, thoughts that kind of went into my mind going into this conversation and going into today. And... Um, before we get into some of the some of those topics, and I, I kind of want people to understand um, where you come from, what you're about, uh, what you're involved in currently, and um, how we got here to today. Yeah, well, um, of course, as you know, I'm originally a Florida girl, so I was born and raised in Florida, and we moved out to Houston um, in October of 2014, and so that's how I got physically to Texas was was through through a move to be closer to family. Um, but as far as like the work and for the ministry aspect and what I'm involved in in the church, um, you know, I, I started at a young age and, and really, I guess when I was younger, I, I loved worship. I loved singing. 
um, playing. And I, I really thought at, at that younger age that somehow that I would be involved in that or at that level in the church. And I have been through the years, still am in, in my local church at Life Tabernacle um, under Brother Monday. Um, I um, still lead the music there, work, work, work with the music department. But as the years progressed, it, it, there's so much to do in the kingdom that it was never like, okay, you're going to do music and that's it. And in some ways I struggled with that because I felt like there were other people that I saw in music ministry and me and my counterparts that really just went to different levels. And I yeah. felt like they, they outplayed me. They outsang mm. me. Like mm. they had so much, they were dedicating mm. just to that one ministry. And I love that. And we need that. We need those people that, that train, that, that pour into the Mitzi Mondays. Right. And I struggle with that, but then I also had to realize, okay, God, you did not split me different directions for no reason. And I found out that it wasn't just music that I was involved in. And at an early age, I just had a heart for people. Mm-hmm. And I saw that, you know, played out in my home with my parents and they both worked a lot with new converts. And often my dad, just because of his his background, his understanding, and, and both my parents not getting into church until their early 20s, mm. um, their their view of people and understanding of people who were unchurched. Right. And so I just gained this love for my mom and dad and, and seeing people around me and learning at a young age just to have a heart for people. That it was not about the ministry. You're like, okay, I do music, or oh, I teach Sunday school, or oh, I'm over this particular group. But that I'm in ministry. I love people. I care about people. And so through the years, it depended on you know what was needed at that time. And so I found myself working with with youth or young people, you know, junior high age, that 12, 13, 14, when they're just getting into youth group. And then eventually, I think when it comes to maybe a ministry within a department in the church um, before there was hyphen or young adult ministries, yeah. you know, you yeah. kind of went from being a young person to you were a single An adult. Yeah. You either went yeah. to youth camp or you went yeah. to a singles conference. I mean, that, yeah. that, that was the dividing line there. And so there really, that ministry didn't exist, but we desperately needed it. Absolutely. And, um, and so I, the, when I started getting involved in that, I realized that was where my passion was mm because I think it was an area in my own life where I struggled most. Okay. Was not as a teenager, but was, was when I had to, to launch into adulthood. Right, right, right. So that's kind of where I ended up today. And so, of course, as you said earlier, I still work with Hyphen um, in our local church there. And, of course, um, Life Tabernacle and also Tabernacle de Vida, we have two Spanish congregations and an English congregation. And so currently right now, along with the help of Jen and Jacob, you know, who one day you assume this ministry over right, and, and take right. it over. Um, working with me, we work across all three congregations. So we right. work the hyphen across that whole group. So that's kind of where I'm at today, yeah. you know, along with whatever yeah. else needs getting done at church. And um, yeah. that's kind of how I ended up here. You know, I love that so much, your heart for just overall service, but most more specifically for the young adults. And I love that because for the exact same reason that you said, and even when... Um, when you were in that age, you said that you didn't have uh, you didn't have that that middle ground. You, you went directly into adulthood. So even even back when I was in my um, I don't know, early early to mid twenties, there was a lot of ground there that that 
required some type of guidance yes. or especially with ministry, even outside, like with mentoring. Uh, do I go to, do I go to college? Do I follow a career? Do I, do I go to Bible school? Do I, so there's a lot of questions within that age group. And, and then there were so many things that were in focus back then and yes. noticing the needs in that age group were not part of that focus. It was, well, you got baptized, you got filled with the Holy Ghost, look for a ministry. It's like, okay, well, I, I want to do ministry. Yeah. And at the same time, well, I'm trying to figure out how to sustain myself because mom and dad or mom or just dad or, you know, whatever the case that person had in their home. Um, now it's like, well, I, I need to help provide or I need to help you know, bring in some type of income. So you're trying to figure that out. You're trying to figure out your future at the same time. Well, where are you going to be the next 10 years? You have that question. And it's like, well, what about now? You need to find ministry. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot going on at one time. And I think what I found is that because there was no real focus, it's it's like we, I guess I was raised by a generation that didn't have that either. Yeah. And yeah. so if, if it's never changed and that continues to propel, you know, right. over time and through time, it's like we do what we saw, mm-hmm. you know, unless we take that mm-hmm. and then we're able to build on it with new information or come into our own. Mm-hmm. And so then I always felt like, well, whoever I talk to, well, if I talk to Jay, Jay's got one opinion right. because he he feels like, well, what well, what I did is the way to go. Right. You know, you do this when you talk to somebody else. But I, I never felt like, you know, people necessarily knew how to explain or help me find out who I was. Mm. Like, how do I take yeah, what I am and how do I fit into this ministry now? Exactly. And, and, and what if, what if I bring something new to the table or what if I think there are new ideas? Am I allowed to talk to that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Am, I, am I invited yeah. to the table? Right. And so you, you always felt like, well, I, I'm just going to be that next choir member or mm. I'm going to be the next whatever with with no not necessarily direction on how to get there and how to build and find out how how can god use what i have and how Mm -hmm. do i you know get myself prepared for that yeah yeah that's so good and that just brings so many thoughts to uh to mind and one of those being i think we're used to in the in the early earlier days or at least in the times where um maybe 15 20 years back to now I think we've been accustomed to expecting people to mold into ministry rather than observing the person, learning the person and say, okay, what could you provide to make this better? And I've always been an advocate for, for not opening ministries for the sake of just opening one. You can't open up a a prison ministry and you have no one that has any kind of experience or the feeling or the care, the heart for what that requires or what that even looks like, much less what could they need? I'm not saying that that can't be done anyway, but it's so much more special whenever you say, well, I came from a broken home and I know what it's like to see brothers and sisters, you know, in and out of uh, this situation. And I know how I could probably help them because I went through that and I still made it through. So all that to say that, Sometimes we expect ministry to adapt uh, or expect people to adapt to the ministry rather than saying, hey, like you have a gift in this area. I think you would be amazing in this community. Let's start that because we don't have it and there's a need and you could help. 
Well, and I think too, and and we, I recently had a conversation about this um, with someone, is that um, there's always the generation beyond us, and then our generation, wherever you're at in your life, whoever you are, doesn't matter your age. There's always right. one beyond you. Yeah. Your your generation. There's always one behind you looking forward at you, mm-hmm. and. And it can run both ways to where, um, you know, every generation brings something new to the table. Mm, right. Um, and it can be for a lot of reasons. Um, it can be advances in technologies, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we're seeing now that that boom of the electronic world, the, you know, the social media, the constant flow of information. Um, and that comes with it. Uh, you know, certain knowledges, ways that can propel the church in different areas and give the church capabilities that it didn't have before. But if, you know, and, and I, I told my hyphen group this because it was a conversation I was having with them too. If we, if we that are in that era before, that current era that, that has all that new stuff to offer, and I more spend my time in, in griping about, well, why don't they have this? Or, you know, they... Why don't they know this? Well, right. why don't we have this in the church, or why aren't we taking advantage of this? And then, if that generation before us is not willing to make way for us mm-hmm. and say, "Oh, well, that's new. That's just going to thwart this," or that's you know not willing to accept that and make room for those giftings, because some of those things are not their choosing. Mm-hmm. Like you look at people that came through um, World War II, mm-hmm. and they were they were adults during that era. Um, and and the children that came came yeah. from from those baby boomers or the baby boomers right. were the children of that generation. Every generation um, is is um, defined by something, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what was going on in the world politically, financially. Um, what were the booms in technology in that time? What came to being in that time? And it's what you relate back to. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and in recent society, we've gone, we started with baby boomers, but then there was, you know, Gen Z, Gen X, millennials, you know, it just, yeah, it just yeah. keeps going. Um, and there's got to be that willingness and that, um, that spirit within the church is that if we're going to keep the church going and we're not going to be a one generation church, right. that, that generation that went before me has to make room for me mm. and, and, and allow me to use my gift and not be like, well, you know, if she gets in the mix, well, then how often do I get to serve? Mm. You know, rather right, than right, saying, right. "Well, if I'm raising up them, hey, I get to take a gener- I get to take a vacation now. I get to breathe for a minute sometimes, and not carry that whole load." Or, you know, maybe God, at this season of my life, I'm at a different place than I was 15 years ago when I started playing or singing or whatever, and I have something new that God can lead me into. And then I have wisdom now to right. step into. Yeah. That, but if I keep holding on to that and say, this is me, this is who I am, you know, I've, I'm the teacher, I'm the music person. And so I think it goes both ways and we've got to realize there are people coming behind us too. And are we going to give them a hand and make room for their gift and mm-hmm. say, Hey, we're all in this together. How can we help the church? Then, then you, you thwart that. Yeah. You don't yeah. get that, you know, um, and then the church needs that, or we're go, we, or you end up being a one generation church. Yeah, that's so good. And even for for people that are unchurched, somebody that may be listening to this and they came across this platform where they hear this conversation, this is still applicable to their life. 
This is oh, still yes. applicable because you can transfer everything that we're talking about here into um, the professional workforce. You can you can transfer this into daily life, and this is what this is why I love talking to people because everything that we that we talk about is not only applicable to what you see on the platform or what you see in a church setting or ministry, and you can literally take and that's and that's what we equip right yes. in, in those conversations we we equip uh, helping others so. Thank you so much for that. Like that, that's already blessed my life and we're not even, you know, just a few minutes into the conversation. <laughs> so you mentioned focus uh, just a minute ago and the lack of, uh, there's so many needs and when you're lacking a focus and a specific need, then there's a vacant hole. Yeah. And when you have a vacant hole and you have an open door for focus or, or defocus rather, then I think you have um, a possibility for distractions to set in. Yeah. You're, you're, you're out of focus, not noticing the needs where the needs are where you could be serving best then it's easily to get distracted so what what has been maybe some of the distractions that that you've noticed uh that we deal with now today um i mean it can be anything it can be i mean what have you seen in distractions or where have you seen that we've been disconnected and that can be practically spiritually and how how can we mitigate those Um, I I see it everywhere. And to your point, you know, we don't just exist inside of the church. We exist in jobs. You know, I have a corporate job outside of my church life and and everything that I serve and do there. Um, And I I think um, one of the biggest things that I've seen, and and I had a conversation with Jen about this just last night, because we just came through a whole series on distractions in different areas of our life. And they were focused on, you know, attitude, faith, purpose, um, relationships. And yeah. it was split into like five different series or sets of, of focus. And um, how that, you know, I, for one, I think in the spiritual world, it is, it's a trick of the enemy. Right. And distraction has been used for forever, since mm-hmm. the beginning of time. Yeah. In warfare, you mm-hmm. distract them. And then you come in another way. The decoy. The decoy. Yeah. I mean, that that yeah, was like right. that was the, the birth of distraction, I think. You're you know, right. You're right. Is that okay, we're gonna come in with this small group and we're gonna get them so focused that we're coming in from over here. Meanwhile, we're gonna come in from over there. Right. And so you see magicians use it. Mm. They distract us mm-hmm. with with our eyes, with a you know, yeah, the quick they, hand. And so that we're focused on something else while they're able to deceive us and make us think we're seeing magic, Yes, but we're not. Yes. Okay. And so the, to me, the way distractions work, and, and when I was talking to Jen, Jen last night, I told her, I said, you know what? I said, you know, when I was younger, um, and, and I think, Jay, the flow of information yeah. and the constant... Uh, it, it distracts all of us. If mm-hmm. we act like we're not and we've never fallen prey to it, we're not being honest. Mm-hmm. Because I like to feel like I'm a very disciplined person. I'm very focused. I'm a planner. I'm very organized. That's just my nature, my makeup. Um, but I get distracted, you know, and it's just this constant flow. And when, you know, and I'm going to date myself here, but when I was younger, there, there wasn't this constant flow of information, you know, our, my parents always got the paper and it came at a certain time in the morning and you found out what happened yesterday. And if it was like across the world, yeah. 
you you might be finding out what happened the day before yesterday, oh, wow. you know, yeah. and then you had the nightly news come on. You couldn't like click on your phone at, you know, just randomly at work and say, yeah. <gasps> There's a yep. there's a shooting going on. Real time. There's this happening. Real time. And so, um, and even like the flow of ideas. You know, I, I I love decorating. I love being creative. And there was a time where there, you know, you had to wait for for maybe a good book to come out, or certain magazines would come out. Yeah. Where, but but now it's like I can just I can just start, and, and it's that distraction. And sometimes even it's um it's distraction, and it's also avoidance. Because, you know, I've got so much going on or I'm overwhelmed. And we live in a world where we have more technology than ever before to make our life easier. Yeah, We can cook our family dinner in the Instapot in 20 minutes Mm. instead of taking, you know, an hour and something for that meat to, to roast in the oven. We, everything is quick and yet we live in a constant overwhelmed state. Yeah. And I have found myself, it's almost like it's a soothing thing to say, let me just see what's going on out here. Let me just mm. flip through Pinterest and see what kind of ideas are coming up for the projects that I want to work on. Yeah. And it becomes an escape. It's almost like it's a gateway drug. Mm. You know, it's like, it's like, let me, you know, and we think of, of escape as being, oh, people deal with money. They deal with drugs. They deal with alcohol. They have ways of, of avoidance. But we also do it in ways that they feel like they're positive. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm just going through here and look what I'm finding. Oh, let me pin that. Let me save that. And and I've even found myself like just, I'm like, am I an Athenian or what? Like in the Bible, Paul's like, they're always trying to find some new yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. some new piece of information. And I find myself just gathering stuff that I know there's no physical way I can ever respond to or keep up with all of that. And I think it keeps me away from the true work and the focus that my heart should have for me to be successful in ministry. Yeah. I'm yeah. chasing tools. I'm mm. chasing the next new idea. I'm trying to be, and, and there's nothing that's wrong with that in and of itself and mm. trying to stay current and help your group and be all that you can be. But if if there's not the heart behind that that says this is what comes first, yeah, and this is what's important, right. then the enemy will use that for me just to stay distracted. Mm. You know, I, yeah, I see so it good. in the corporate world. Yeah. Like, what yeah. what is our goal? What is our focus? So why are we over here quibbling about this? Right, right. You know, and and in the corporate world, as you know, it all comes down to the to the dollar. I had this conversation yesterday at work. Yep. We have a we have a tool that's so frustrating to me. It's one we're required to have. Mm-hmm. If the government comes in and says you do not have that right, we can get called on it. We can get dinged wow. on it. We can get fined for it. Yeah. But less than one percent of the population of not just the customers I serve, the the plans I work with, but our entire corporation, less than one percent of them utilize this tool. Mm. Okay. And so. In the corporate world, we get that. Like, this is not the best in the world, but we're going to make it work. Why would we invest all of our money here and it's not meaningful to our member? It's not meaningful to our customer. Well, we can do that the same in our personal life and in the church and in ministry is I look at things that don't matter and I give them priority and I put things that don't matter at the mercy of things that do matter. 
right. or put the things that matter at the mercy of things that don't matter. I misquoted that. So um, it's that constant saying, you know, I, I have to keep myself engaged here. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I can't, I have to, to, to not walk down that path of, of, of distraction and, and in its many things, um, it's technology. It's just the whole thing, like we talked about, of getting sidetracked, mm-hmm. you know, avoiding things. Um, I don't want to do this right now, but, but this feels good. Yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like I'm getting something done here and I'm really not. And then a lot of times I'm just exposing myself to so much stuff that I don't That's need it. to. You're right. You know, through Absolutely. that distraction. So. Exactly. So you said, you said so many great things there and, and I love that. And um, going, going to, to one of the things that you mentioned were uh, the distractions and how they open us up to deceptions. And you're exactly right. It goes all the way back to to the beginning of time, to the beginning of creation, you know, Adam and Eve. And then what was her distraction then? Maybe we can we could probably argue the fact that did she notice the the tree before? Maybe she got close to it. We don't know exactly. All we know is that the serpent, the enemy, the, the devil came in, planted a a question that made that made her uh, think twice of what what did actually, what did God actually say? So then deception comes in, and then there you go, and then you have the birth to sin and disobedience. So so many distractions around us, so many things that disconnect us from the main thing that we're supposed to be doing. And then nowadays we have so many things that demand our mind. And a couple, I think it was before COVID, several a few years ago. I can't believe it's already been almost four I years know. now, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so like around COVID time in the beginning, before we shut down, I think that's, I think, I, I want to say that was the last message that I shared with the church, um, how our mind is in high demand. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was explaining was the fact, it was exactly that. You mentioned creativity was that uh, distractions will encompass our mind and entrap our creativity. Yeah. So if you've been gifted with a, cre- a high level of creativity, then distractions, of course, are going to be a tool that the enemy is going to use to deceive us and pull us away from that. Like make you believe, no, you don't need that. You need to be searching for this. Yes. And then it's still one of those things where you're chasing a carrot that constantly keeps moving. And it keeps changing. And it keeps changing. Mm-hmm. So they tell you, well, or the world in, 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 in essence, in general, chase, chase the, the high dollar, chase uh, the, the platform. Chase the lights, the camera, chase the fame, chase the popularity. And you're constantly searching and searching and searching, never really finding it, whatever it may be. Yeah. And for so many reasons, voids, vacancies, experiences, traumas, we supplement these things, escape to these things rather than really focusing, okay, this is ground zero. What does God want for my life? Yeah. So those distractions often open us up to deceptions and how critical is that? I mean, obviously it's, I mean, you not, we know it's critical, but if you think about it, I think because distractions and, and something distractions, people look at distractions. It's like, okay, it has a negative connotation yeah. because we know, yes, mm-hmm. the distraction is pulling us from what our purpose should be. But what about when something's good? Yeah. You know, 
Somebody stops by. I mean, our life is going to be filled with distractions that we have to manage. Mm -hmm. And sometimes because it's a positive experience, mentally, Mm -hmm. we do not register it as Mm -hmm. a distraction. Mm -hmm. This should not be in our life. We don't think about the fact if we're not disciplined and intentional, then you're never going to notice that. Yeah. And so you stay in deception because if, like, if you don't have a plan, then there's nothing to follow. Mm. So if I have not said, this is, this is how I'm going to, I'm going to be intentional in this way. This is the path I'm going to follow. Yep. Then how do you know you're off of it? Mm. That's great if you're question. just on a joy ride and you're out riding, you're not lost. Yeah. You're not late for where you're going because you're not going anywhere. Right. You're just out like enjoying the scenery. We don't have anywhere to be. If we come across a cool restaurant, we're going to stop and eat. If there's boiled peanuts on the side of the road, if there's a cool snow cone stand, we're we're just okay. That's cool when you're joyriding mm-hmm. or you're road tripping, but you can't do that in life. Yeah. And I think I think young people today, and it worries me. It's something that just grieves me because I feel like. Deception comes, Jay, when we ha- when we lack knowledge. Mm, okay. If I have knowledge, you can't deceive me. Right. If right. I know that something is poison, mm. and I have a history with that, I have knowledge about it. I've read up on it. I know the science behind it. I know I can't eat that. I know. I know it's. I know. And if I eat it, it'll kill me, or it's going to make me deathly ill. If you try to come and tell me, let's see, eat that, or that's not poison. Who mm. told you that? Go ahead, yes. girl. You're good. Yes. You're not going to be able to deceive me. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. because I know for myself. I know that I, I've studied it. I know I've had experience with it. I am not supposed to touch that. Yeah. It'll yeah. hurt me. It'll harm me. And I think we run into the same thing in, in the spiritual because we have a generation that they lack wisdom and they lack knowledge. And I'm not spreading a blanket there because there's many, many young adults and young people that do desire. But because we do live in an age of so much distraction because of our society, you know, we're very highly evolved. We've got more tools and technology and things that are beaming across the world at warp speed. And, and there's something constantly, like I said, we were talking about earlier, that, that overwhelms me. Even though my life should be easy and simple, I should be living, we should be living the best lives we've ever lived, right. but yet right. we don't. And we struggle with more mental illness and mental health and anxiety and being overwhelmed because we're jumping mm. and we're, we don't have like that solid plan. But if I'm grounded, and, and that's not easy to be, to, to, to have knowledge and to have wisdom, that's something that the Bible says you have to, mm. to buy it and mm. sell it not. Right. In other words, it costs you something. Exactly. It costs me time. Mm. It costs me saying, I will set aside this time mm. to fill my heart with the right things that are going to prepare me for life. Right. And it breaks my heart because, Jay, I sit, in, I sit around a table um, every week with young adults that I can tell I'm bringing stuff from the Bible that I feel like they ought to know and I can tell they don't know it mm. and they're hesitating and they can't answer me on it. Right, right. And I'm never going to shame them. I'm never going to say, well, you should know this because mm-hmm. that's not what I'm there for. Right. I'm there to guide and to encourage them and try to instill that love in them. But I had parents who pushed that 
and poured and poured into me the importance of having knowledge and knowing God for myself and knowing the truth of God's word. And when you have knowledge, everything, anybody that comes comes in front of you or to you with something, whether it's the enemy, whether it's another voice, and there are voices out there. Wow. I mean, think about it. You're, yeah. you're a yeah. solid platform that's pushing out truth and objectivity and such good things to a population that needs it desperately. But Jay, you're one of how many thousands, tens of thousands right. of voices and platforms and mm-hmm. podcasts. Mm-hmm. And if there's so much that comes across that if I'm not able to challenge what I hear with what I know That's to it. be true, yeah. I'm in trouble. Mm. And I'm open up for deception mm. because I don't know the word of God for myself. Mm. And being raised in the church and going to Sunday school and hearing a sermon every week does not save you. It does not ground you in wisdom. It's not enough. It's not enough. Yeah. You, you have to apply it to your heart, and yeah. that only happens with a steady diet of it. Right. You know, we all know I'm not going to be, I'm going to start becoming weak if I eat vegetables one meal a week. Right. That's not going to sustain me. Well, mm-hmm. neither is hearing one message or one sermon mm-hmm. that we can even only retain 10% of what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like like we have to have something. And I think we we have a generation that's very open to deception because they're they live in this world of 40 word responses. Mm. Okay. I cannot sound bites wisdom and knowledge in my life to build a foundation on that's coming to me in 40 word bits. Wow. And it sounds good and it sounds cool, but it doesn't always line up to the word of God. Mm. One half of it does, the other half doesn't. And so, yeah, there's a lot of good voices out there that maybe don't even believe the apostolic doctrine that we believe and they're bringing forth good stuff. But what about the stuff that's not right or the Mm -hmm. stuff that's Mm -hmm. not grounded in truth Mm But because I don't have anything to compare it back to, yeah, like yeah. I'm missing that comparison factor right. because I have not prepared myself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where I think young adults struggle mm-hmm. is because all of a sudden, nobody's telling you, Jay, you got school tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You got mm-hmm. tests. You got exams tomorrow. You need to go to bed. Nope. All that gets cut off. Yep. All of a sudden, I'm an adult. I have to get my own stuff up for work. I have to make sure I make that college class. Nobody's making me go. And so I'm having to make decisions on my own. Right. And if I have not set that foundation in my life or I'm not making sure I'm setting it in my young adulthood and saying, hey, whoa, I'm missing some things here. I better fill those gaps and I better fill them with the right things. Right, right. So That is so good. So you're telling me that with the lack of knowledge and wisdom, it is necessary to have truth to be able to compare and the best way to combat distractions and deceptions is with the truth yeah yeah and and being i mean and being disciplined to say and and i think it's having that plan too and like sometimes if you're like a planner or as you're like oh you know just live your life just do whatever and that's a personality thing. I mean, yeah, everybody, yeah, yeah. but there has got to be that sense, even if you're not an organized Excel spreadsheet, checking off all the checklist person, you still have to have a plan of where you're going. And I talked to my young adults about this a lot. I said, you know, because when we were talking about distractions, I said, 
if you don't do what you know to do and you allow others to be a distraction in your life, mm-hmm. I said, they're no the worse for it. Yeah. Come on, Jay, let's hang out. Let's go do something. Right, right, You're right. like, no, I got, I got finals tomorrow. Come on. Mm-hmm. You, you know you're ready. Come on. Just, just let's go grab a pizza with us. Let's go, let's go do coffee. And it's 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. They're going to go home and crash, do whatever they've got to do. Meanwhile, you have the finals tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so if you, if you allow everyone else to dictate your world, instead of you saying, if I'm going to be successful, that's part of being an adult. Yeah. yeah. saying, if I'm going to be successful, then I have to set those priorities in my life and not allow people and things. And, and every good thing is, is not good for us. Right. You know, even Absolutely. like I, I talked to my group a lot about this because I've had this happen in, in my life personally where I had too much on me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it seemed like a good, well, well, how could it not be a good thing helping a department at church or taking on something else? But if it depletes what you can do and your ability to, to serve what you've committed to, yeah, then it's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to know when to say no. Um, and you have to have that discipline in your life that says, if I'm going to accomplish and be my best self and what I was meant to be, I can't allow other people to dictate my schedule right? and to dictate my progress. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So going back to the example that you gave about a person that is preparing themselves for um, their exams, sounds like a person that is in college or yeah. some, um, getting ready to, to graduate at some point. That's, that would be a season of preparation. Yeah. They're preparing for their career. And there's different seasons of preparations. There's preparation in ministry. There's preparation for, yeah. for school, careers, preparation. There's different phases, different seasons in life that we have to face and we have to push through. So I believe that in that season of preparation, it becomes critical to stay focused. And then that's when those distractions are probably have, that's when the, those distractions have the most value when you're in the season of preparation. Yes. So like what would what could be something that we can tell people that that can help them stay on focus in that season of preparation to where it doesn't spoil it for you and you can actually develop uh, exactly what what God's called you to be. I think it's important and if there was anything I, I guess if there was any one part of all of this and, and some of the things that you and I had talked about previously that would be our focus for today, yeah. it would be this thing because there's, I, I feel this edginess in young people and young adults. And it's like the thing, the moment, whatever we feel is the next thing mm. becomes our focus. And it can't. Like you have to know, okay, yeah, I have to have planning and purpose to say, okay, if this is what I'm planning to do, if I need to graduate and I don't want to be at this point in my schooling at this point, there, there has to be conscious effort. And I'm not talking about those type of things. But when that end game becomes your focus, then you lose track and you're distracted in your present. Well, every season of our life, literally every season, right. is is the prep and the work it, it's the it's the um it's the trying ground right, right. for where we're going next exactly and i'm talking about starting with an infant with a child mm-hmm. 
Like you're teaching them all this dexterity stuff when they're two and three years yep. old, how to make eye yep. hand contact, how to hold small objects, mm -hmm. because in a couple of years, then I've got to hold a pencil and learn to write my words. Exactly. And, you know, we don't take a kid into first grade and start teaching them, you know, geometry or algebra too. No, we start them with one plus one. Mm -hmm. Because all of those little small math functions are going to grow into bigger things as they get. And, and if we skip that, mm -hmm. if we skip that preparing, that season of preparation, then they're not ready for the next season. Right. And it can, it can be a crash and burn thing because I was so focused. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but I want to give you this example. No, please because do. No, when no. I went, I, I was going to like lay my head down on the pillow last night and I was thinking about this very, this very thought process. And what came to mind was when Absalom was killed in the Bible. Okay. okay. And um, Ahimaaz comes to Joab and he's like, let me go and take tidings to the king. I want to take tidings to the king. Okay. And Joab said, in his wisdom, yeah. you know, he's yeah. he's he's one of the king's mighty men. And he's like, no, today is not the day. Mm -hmm. Um, because, of course, he was talking about good tidings. I want to go give the king a word. I want to go give the king a good word. And he's like, no, today's not the day for it. <clears throat> he's lost his son. This is not This is not the time. And so Joab turns to Cushai, and he's like, I want you to go and tell the king what you have seen. Okay. All right? Right. So, so Cushai goes, okay, he begins to, he goes, he's got his orders from Joab, and he begins to go toward David. Well, then him as he's like, Joab, I want to run. I want to run. Let me run. Yeah. And, and Joab even told him, he's like, him as you, you don't have a message. Okay. You don't have a word to give to the king. Wow. He said, but I want to run. I want to run. Mm -hmm. And so Joab goes, well, run boy, mm -hmm. run. Mm -hmm. If that's what you want to do, run. It's basically yep. what he told him as. So of course the king and his, you know, the, the person on the lookout for him, he's like, right. I see a guy coming. I see somebody running. And he said, well, that somebody's running. That's got to be, it's just one person. It's got to be good tidings. Okay. He's like, well, I see somebody else is running over here too. Right, right. So Ahimaaz gets there before Cushai does. He does. But he doesn't have the word for the king. Mm. You know, he just basically tells him, you know, hey, king, all is well. Everything is great. God has, you know, stomped your enemies out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he goes, well, but, but what's going on with Absalom? How's Absalom? Right. And he's like, well, King, there was a scuffle. Things were going on and I didn't see what happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so here comes Cushai. He's, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, Ahimaaz beats him there. And then Cushai says, you know, King, you know, may, uh, he, he asked about Absalom. He said, he said, may all of your enemies be as Absalom is. He didn't have good news for him, mm -hmm. but he knew Absalom was dead. He knew what had happened because he was an observer. He had been there. He was ready to speak to the king. He was at a point to give that message to the king. Right. But him as wasn't because he didn't see it. He And so in my mind, it's like I took this straight to this. Yeah. He wasn't prepared. He, he could run faster. And sometimes mm -hmm. we do that. We get in that comparison game. Well, what, why do they choose Jay? Mm. I'm a better speaker than Jay. Jay's mm. never been invited to this. He's there's never a lot, done this before. And there's a lot of them better than me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I could say all the people say, well, you know, well, well, why him? You know, why them? You know what? And and you're like, well, 
you know, it's like, wow, they chose them, you know, yeah, like, and, yeah. and we can, and it, and we talked about that, you know, in our, our last Q and a session that we did mm-hmm. for the Enlace conference is that we become disillusioned because that becomes a pass or fail with us right. rather than saying, this is not my season or that's mm-hmm. not what God has prepared for me. Yeah, yeah. That's not where I'm supposed to minister. And, but I'm, I run faster than Jay. I beat Jay there. I'm already here and he's not. Yeah. But I didn't have the word. I didn't, I wasn't mm. ready. I wasn't prepared. That part. And yeah. I think that's I think that's where young adults get hung up is that disillusionment. They're they're spending a lot of time in distraction. They're getting things done in between there so they feel like they're being productive. But when that moment comes where life really hits them and they really have to like come through they're not prepared yeah that's it they're not prepared you're so right you know they're not prepared for it we like preparation um and so you you know they they have to realize like i'm not trying to get to any one given place but i want god to use this season in my life how he sees fit Instead of going to God and saying, God, this is how I want to be used. Mm. Mm. You know, God, I want I want to be there. Jeez. I want to get asked. God, I, I want I want to be a part of this. Yeah. When when being a part of that could lead us down a road of deception. Right. You know, I've seen young people get caught up too soon. They're too young. They're not emotionally mature to take on leadership role. And they are used and used over and over again. And they began to float and gauge themselves on the level that they're being used. But meanwhile, they're not, they're not gaining the, the knowledge or the depth that they need to work with sometimes what I like to call the underbelly of ministry. Okay. Where you're dealing with struggle, you're dealing with people, you're seeing the bad side of people. But if you're young and immature and you never, it, it's got to be, I, I've got to be able to do more than speak. Right. I've got to do, be able to do more than play. I've got to be able to do more than sing. I've got to be able to do more than whatever it is that that gifting that I have. I have to have wisdom and knowledge and that trying ground to undergird that. Right. right. Undergird that gift. Yeah. Yeah. Because if I don't, then I am out there and I'm not emotionally um, prepared and I'm not mature enough to deal with with all of the other stuff that comes with ministry. You're so right. You're so right. And that's, that's amazing. And man, you're saying this is gold. This is gold. I love this already because if anybody's listening to this, and I know that a lot of people are going to be sharing this, they need to bring a notepad because, Uh and they need to go back this last um, 10, 15 minutes that you, that you took the time to break that down. They need to listen to that in one time speed. One time speed because that that is just gold, and there, there's going to be so much value there for a lot of people. So I remember um, uh, growing up, and being younger, and even until now, now I can cherish the season of preparation. Yes. And earlier on, with less discipline, less maturity, less experience, and less of all of those things, I didn't understand that I didn't have what it took to sustain a level Same. of growth 
same. And, and I'm speaking from experience here. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 exactly. Like same. Not, like I remember, that's why I was saying, you know, working with this age group, I remember it being my biggest time of struggle. Yeah. Not always feeling like there was somebody to guide me through that part mm-hmm. that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And and I learned it and, and got very hurt by it. Right. Because I, I wasn't protected from the crazy side of things, you know, and like nobody said you're going to deal with this or, or we go about this slowly. And I'm talking about I went into ministry and dealing with people like 14 years old, yeah, yeah. you know, and had things that were expected of me. And you're not, um, and like you said, I, I wasn't prepared. Like I can only now look back mm-hmm. and really understand through growing and maturing just in the, natural and in this in and also in the spiritual that that's what that was and how important that time was mm-hmm. for planning and for me to learn what I needed to be in that next season or for God to elevate me exactly to being over different things or having more people that that I had influence over he couldn't do that until I was ready mm-hmm. or I was going to crash and burn I was going to get hurt and I often did you know, because of the environment that I was in, yeah, you can yeah. then turn turn hurt other people, which is not your intention if you're in ministry. Yeah, you know, you you get hurt and you you tend to hurt other people as well. And that makes me think of um, the relationship of uh, Elijah and Elisha, and how he's working out, and Elisha's out plowing the ground, his father's field, and he comes over and he puts a mantle over him, and you know, we know the story. He burns everything, decides to follow him. And then you hear nothing from Elisha again. You hear nothing. So at some point, whenever they were out with a group of prophets, he's serving the water. And that's you get a glimpse of what he's doing in the background. Yeah, yeah. You don't hear from him for a long time. And we don't know exactly how much time goes by. And then all of a sudden, here's uh, Elisha serving water. Because how do you go from nothing, Jay, to having a double portion of what Elijah had? And then Come a double on. portion. And then splitting yeah. the waters. <laughs> So he was serving the water before he was splitting waters. Exactly. Doing exactly. miraculous yes. things, being used by God. <laughs> that's good. That is good. That, now that's gold. <laughs> that's gold there. So the, the season of preparation, I don't want anybody to undermine that. Mm-mm. And it's easy to sit and think, I need to be there. It should be me. Yeah. And that's a character issue. Yeah. And then that can be worked on. That's a character issue. And sometimes God, and I, I love his sovereignty. I love his sovereignty because... God knows exactly what we can hold, what we can yeah. sustain, and what we're going to lose. So he doesn't want us to be in a platform or in a room with people yeah. and look like fools. And doesn't want to give us a platform that our character is going to cut us out of. Yes, yes. And it, it that's why it's so critical. And now I can look back and cherish the season of preparation. So that is one of those tools that I want people to really understand. Do not be distracted in that season of preparation and so and that, embrace it too. embrace it exactly embrace it because you like now I, I wish like and and well I guess people that are not maybe not in a corporate America like I know you work in a corporate setting as well in in my earlier years in jobs that were not as complex as yeah. what I'm in now in a yeah. management position there was tons of training yeah like I would go through three months of training and you had system stuff to learn the system and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, after those first several years and I started going into other type of roles, there was no training. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I had to go in and talk to the person next to me and, and all of these things because they're like, you're at a level of maturity mm-hmm. and your resume has been built to a point and you know all this stuff that we expect you jumping into this role that I don't yeah. need to train you for three months or show you a system. You have the ability to forge that knowledge, you know, or talk to people or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. so I found out later in my life as you get faced with where that, that sometimes those prepping grounds speed up. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I wish that I had that time yet when I was younger where I had like unlimited time or more time yeah. to really focus to prep for So you're something. telling me that was important. That was, a, that was critical then. Yes, yes. And now I wish, you know, and of course God, like you said, God is sovereign and he knows yeah. like, all right, Mitzi, you've been through a lot of trying grounds mm-hmm. and this one is building on other grounds that you already walked through. <laughs> You know, and so I'm, I'm, I've given you a space for, for this new and that part that's going to stretch you. And I've got to keep pulling back on the mercy and the wisdom and of, of all of my life. But if I don't start young and realize how important this moment is that I'm not going to just draw on it to get prepped for that college graduation or for that job that follows that. 10 years down from the road, down the road, I may draw back from this and say, wow, I learned that lesson then. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to keep drawing from that. So everything that we step through in our life becomes a part of our story, a part of our history that doesn't go away. And that was what is so, was so important about Jewish history. Mm -hmm. And is that they put in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Everything. The battle they won, the battle they lost, the, the kings that committed adultery, everything yep. that happened, it was written and it was recorded mm-hmm. so that they remembered That's what it. happened in the past. Yeah, nothing was blurred. Nothing was blurred. And so we have that story that we draw back on. And so my mistakes are just as important in my in my future success as as the things that I aced and that I I came through with flying colors, sometimes the mistakes are are more important because those mistakes are things where it was something in my character that needed to, to be worked on or it was a maturity level that I needed mm-hmm. to obtain. And so if I ever see myself sinking back, mm-hmm. I've got to correct my course. There you go. You know, that's and it. so we can't we can't like and I think that's where social platforms really, really hang us up mm-hmm. is we're wanting to present the best Mitzi. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be out there and, and I look busted or I'm looking homeless today. Don't put that picture out there. <laughs> you know, I want, I, you, you want to present the good that's going on in the your filtered. life, the filtered version, but that's not the version that I live. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in my deepest moments, it's it's the worst times in my life that I go back to oh, for, for faith that, okay, well, God bought, brought me through that or God taught me something through that. Mm-hmm. And it helps me through this time that I'm going on. So I refer more to the rough times in my life than I do to my successes. That's good. That's good. One of the quotes that um, that really come to mind right when you're saying that is uh, I believe by Craig Rochelle, and he often teaches and says he's he's um, big on leadership. So um, I love that because he shares uh, a quote, and he says that people will admire your accomplishments, but they'll be inspired by your weaknesses. Yes. 
So learning to be vulnerable, there's, there's value in being vulnerable and there's value in vulnerability in general. And then, and then saying like, I didn't, I didn't just get here. I didn't yeah. just arrive like this. Like I, I didn't get here like this. I went through that season of preparation. I was disciplined through that season of preparation, getting up, falling down, getting up, falling yeah. down and, and allowing myself to stay on the altar. If we, if we can phrase it that way. Yeah to continue letting God cut me, continue letting God cut my character, uh, cut me on the, on, on the rough edges and mold into what you see now. Yeah, and it lets people know that you're mentoring or leading, that there is life after mistakes. Yes, yes, There's absolutely. There's life after failure and that those have to come just as much as the good stuff has to come and that's how the rough edges are worked out in our life. Yeah, like yeah. if I never attempt anything, if I never attempt the stuff that I find hard mm-hmm. and that I find stretch me or that are out of my comfort zone, of course I'm going to make a mistake if I've never done it before. Yeah, yeah. My first yeah. devotion, my first message, the first time I attempt to do something is not going to be great or grand or pretty or something that I want, you know, mm-hmm. want my mom to see or that I want posted on, you know, Instagram. Mm-hmm. But that's how I go from there to get to a place of growth is I have to be willing to start somewhere and I have to be willing to make mistakes. Yeah. That, that, um, comfortableness or that, that comfort place with vulnerability and just, um, being friends with that space of vulnerability. I think that's what really reaches people. And it's, and it's very easy for the unchurched people, which is our goal to reach and with, with the truth and the gospel, and it's very easy to present ourselves in a way that is unapproachable for unchurched people. Yeah. And and here you are having to face a lot of deficiencies, a lot of issues, a lot of brokenness, a lot of um, so many problems that that need that needs God divine yeah. touch in their life. And if we present ourselves in a way that is unapproachable, then we're not we're not doing the gospel justice. Yeah, and we're not being vessels to 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 allow God to pour us out everything that we've been pouring in in preparation, and on Sundays coming to church, all the equipping. Then where's it going? Yeah, and I think it's about it's it's showing through in our walk with God, honesty and integrity, not perfection. Right, it's being honest, 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 um, honest Christianity that says I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just want to please God. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, and we were talking, you know, earlier about people learning from our mistakes or vulnerabilities or things that we've gotten wrong. Um, I think sometimes people's biggest problem with church and with Christianity and people that call themselves a Christian or that are churched or whatever is that um, sometimes we say one thing and that we, and we do another mm. and we don't, we're not honest about that. We, we don't, we yeah. don't show integrity yeah. when we failed. And I, I remember a couple of circumstances. Um, one, there was two different things. One of them, um, I had, had, had done something, had read something incorrectly on some paperwork. And, um, we had this big mailing to one of our custom groups at work and, um, it went out wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I, I sent an email and I copied my manager and I copied the person who repped for that group. 
And I said, listen, you know, there's been a mistake in this. You know, we sent this information out wrong. Can you please inform the group? I said, this was my error, my miss. I said, I misread the paperwork. And I said, this, this is wrong in there. And I said, but let them know we're going to resend this out and we're going we're gonna to put an apology letter on it and let them know, hey, here's, here's your correct information. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about it because to me it was just, it was honesty. You know, just to be honest, it was just to own my mistake, own my right. error. But my my manager at the time, and I have never forgotten this, she came back and she said, she said, Mitzi, you don't know how much that means to me, that email that you just wrote. She said, it doesn't make me trust you less. Like, oh, Mitzi made a mistake. Mm -hmm. She said, it makes me trust you more. She said, because of your honesty and your integrity. And she said in that, if you make a mistake, if, if something is on you, that you will own it. That's good. And so we don't have to be perfect. I mean, I can remember a time out of frustration and it's not a proud moment. You know, I I was working with one of our vendors and they worked with multiple people on my team and we just had someone who was just being awful. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I I made a sly remark, like, like nothing wrong. I didn't just sit and badger this person, but I made like a stray remark, you know, over lunch and, uh, you know, about the situation. And I'm like, just, you know, it was out of sheer frustration. Mm-hmm. And it just like, just God just dealt with my heart later. Like that, that, you know, shouldn't have done that. Yeah. You know, that yeah. there was an audience that, that we, we've got a whole different standard. And so I texted them like, as soon as I got back from lunch and I said, listen, you know, I said, I shouldn't have made that remark. I said, it came from a place of frustration. I said, regardless of what anybody does, I said, I should have never tried to diminish them in your eyes. I said, we've just got so much going on. Yeah. And because it's causing stress for me, it wasn't a right way for me to handle it. Yeah, absolutely. And I said, you yeah. know, you know, I go to church. You said, I said, you know that I love God and I, I want to always please him. And I said, I don't feel like that did that, you know, and that goes to show them that, that that's not, that, that was an error. That mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, I don't want them looking about later. So while wow, Mitzi was so two-sided, mm-hmm. you know, or you know, she says one thing and she does another, she did that, but yeah, she just talks about people like I wanted them to know, like that was not okay, mm-hmm. and I'm recognizing it and I'm owning it. Yeah, that is so good, and that reminds me of of just how you live out Scripture on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and reaching out people and giving that testimony. It's not always just door to door; it's in that moment like that yeah, in your office. Yeah. Hey, I made a mistake. I want to be honest about it, and you build that credibility with people. So that literally just reminded me of I want to say I want to, I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it's uh, is it Colossians 3? I don't remember the exact verse. It could be 23, uh, but it's in the chapter 3. We're doing things, like not for men, but doing yeah. things as you're doing it for God. Yeah, yeah. How much, if we took that mentality every single day. thing, like that you're doing as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. So vulnerability is a huge, I see a lot of a lot of value in vulnerability and, and just being open to say, hey, you know what? Um I'm not perfect, and I, I could speak from this, and I'm able to speak in this area because of what I've been through. And then often we pull away from that part of it, the conversation, yeah, yeah, because sometimes there is shame, and then yeah. sometimes there is uh, uh, that uncomfortable. But it, it, that's why I say, if you become comfortable with vulnerability, then you'd be surprised how much more power and open doors you have. Um, to bring gospel to people that have been through a similar situation. 
And this is why I love the story of uh, what we call Doubting Thomas. Yeah. Because he needed to see the wounds on Jesus in order to believe. And the fact that he, he Jesus gave him the opportunity yeah. to do that. Yeah. And, and then he finally got to that point. So what is Jesus actually showing us there? So like if you, if you look at John, I want to say it's 20 verse 30. If I don't get it, if I don't get it wrong, it, it, it tells you exactly why these things were written. And it tells you exactly that Jesus did so many other great things in front of his disciples that weren't even included in the Bible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That they weren't written in the Bible. They were great things, but we don't need to talk about them. Like they're just, they're, they're great. Just know that they're there. When it gave, well, I think too, in, the, in the, the example that you gave, it's like he allowed Thomas to be Thomas. Yeah. Thomas needed something that somebody else didn't need, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I heard a pastor, he, he's gone to be with the Lord now, and years ago he he taught a message about the feeding of the 5,000. Okay. And, it, and that wasn't the total focus of his message, but his focus was that that he's the, the Bible says that he did it because some came from afar. Okay. Everybody didn't come from afar. Right. I could have come from like that house right over there down the street right. in the village. He said, but some came from afar. But because some came from afar, he fed the whole 5,000 so that those that had need or had traveled far... Yeah. wouldn't fall by the way. Mm-hmm. And I think God does that for us too. We see it in the life of Peter. We see it in Thomas. God did not like push Thomas away. And so we can't be my disciple anymore. Who are you so stupid? Why can't you believe? Why do you need a sign? Like for, for Thomas, like like there was something in Thomas that that needed to touch it. Yeah. He needed yeah. to see it. He needed to know, okay, this is not a joke. You're not playing with me. Mm-hmm. Nobody had ever been raised from the dead except what they had seen in Jesus' ministry right, and the right. people that he had raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. But for a person to, to like, like they saw him and he came back. Well, they saw before Jesus was the one raising people from the dead. Yeah, yeah. You know, and all of a sudden it made a lot more sense about, you know, God being, Jesus being God, the, you know, the spirit God embodied, embodied. and flesh, the yeah. oneness of God mm-hmm. come through for him. He's like, well, if you're really Jesus, mm-hmm. I saw you get crucified. I, I want to see the wounds in your hands. Right. You know, so he allows us to make our mistakes because sometimes it's that it was the boldness in Peter that allowed him to be the one that Jesus built the church on that rock that he built the church on. That's it. You know, he was a hothead. He was the one who's, but he was also the one who said, I know who you are. Mm, he said, yeah. you're the Christ. Yeah. He had gotten that revelation. So there yeah, was yeah. good in Peter, yeah. but we might've discarded him because I don't know what he's going to say next. You know, I can't put him in the pulpit. Yeah. You know, who yeah. knows who, who he's going to offend or what he's going to say. But God showed us in just all the disciples that he used that it wasn't about wealth. It wasn't, he used everybody from, from a muddy, smelly fisherman. Yeah to a doctor and a tax collector. I mean, he just, he used the he, the ones that people hated. He had, his inner circle was filled with such a cross-section yeah. of the world at that time. And I think yeah. that was proof in itself, Yeah, you know, that God makes room for all of us. Absolutely, absolutely true. And that's why I love that scripture because it, the author takes time to tell you, like these things were written so they could believe. Yeah, yeah. And when you apply that to us today, if we don't talk about those moments where we doubt, if we don't talk about those moments where we didn't get it right, 
yeah. then how can they really believe that this is this is what God did and not what we did? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, man, that's that's there's a lot there and it just kind of makes me think of so many different things. We hadn't even thought, you know, planned on even kind of going, going there, but there, yeah. But um I wanted to circle back into distractions and deceptions um because I think a lot of that a lot of those can be mitigated, controlled or at least led with more discipleship. So, I've always said and I've always taught that the the enemy is not going to his, his goal and his target are not to destroy you rather than to distract you. Yeah. Reason being is because if you get distracted enough, you'll self-destruct. Yes. Or th- if you get distracted enough, you'll self-destruct. Therefore, he comes out, you know, with his hands clean in, yeah. in, in, in essence, in a certain way. Because if you get distracted enough, you're going to pull yourself out. Oh, yeah. For sure. So is that a lack of awareness or is that discipline that we're lacking? To me, I think it, it can be both. Okay. And, um, and and we talked about the lack of discipline earlier, so we know that comes into play. Yeah. Um, especially when I know, you know, at my age and the point I am in my life, I've lived a lot of life, and I still fall prey to it. Yeah. You know, if I don't, like, I can get up, and I've done it, you know, like, a, a message will come in. And, and like for me, since moving to Houston and I totally work remote, I work from home because I still work for my company in Florida, um, like that morning time is my precious time. That's the time I get up and I do my studying, my focus, my Bible reading. That's the time I get that done. But if I get up and there's a message there, and especially during our busy time of the year, and I'm making sure that my, you know, my manager, my leadership is not making me aware. Hey, Mitzi, when you get in, we, we've got we got to address something. Just know, hey, look at these two emails when you jump on and let me know your thoughts or whatever. Yeah. And so like that time of year, I'm going to check that and just make sure, okay, what is that? But I can sit there and before I know it, I'm drinking my coffee and I've scrolled through Facebook yeah. and I've done this and I've checked email and I'm like, oh, I forgot to look at my bank statement yesterday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have spent all that time that, you know, and then later I'm like, okay, oh, I don't have, to, I don't have time to study. I've got so much going on. Well, Mitzi, you had an hour and something this morning mm-hmm. before you ever had to sign on to work. Mm-hmm. You had a warm cup of coffee. You had a comfy mm-hmm. couch to sit on. You didn't even have to get dressed mm-hmm. to do that. And you spent that time. And so, um, and I even talked to my group before or my group earlier about this as we've been studying distractions. And I said, sometimes we say we're too busy. I said, but we make time for what we want to do. And I said, it's like we pick and choose what we're available for. Mm-hmm. And that becomes a discipline thing and mm-hmm. saying that, you know, like this is what I need to do. And if it means checking that one email for work, making sure I'm set for work, laying that down in another room Mm -hmm. and coming back to my place and saying, I'm not going to go by that or sticking to that time that I've made for myself. And that means too, like, you know, if, if I stayed up late the night before, that's my bad. I didn't go to bed on time. That's a discipline thing. Like I chose to stay up 
and scan or watch or read a book or do whatever I was going to do or or just do whatever. And so am I going to take away from that time that I say, this is my time to study. This is the time that I can devote to this. So I think it becomes, in my estimation, sometimes I feel like it's more, it's more discipline, lack of discipline, but it can also be lack of awareness because we get caught up in it. That's it. Or we don't see what's happening as a distraction. And I think that's when it becomes the spiritual enemy thing where we're allowing him to unknowingly let us focus on other things. And because they are good things and they are positive things, we don't see them as like, okay, that's not good. Mm. That's a distraction. A distraction is neither, you know, bad or good in and of itself as far as what's happening because it's a distraction because it's keeping you from your purpose. Right, yeah. And that distraction can be time spent on the wrong things, but it can also be time spent on very good things. That's it. But it's yeah. just not where you should be spending your time. Yeah. And I love I love this because I feel like it's such a, like a domino effect, everything that we've been yeah. talking about. It's like one thing will affect the next thing yeah. and affect the next thing. And I, and I feel that it's very frustrating trying to sit and mentor someone or trying to sit and, and discuss them when you're trying to help them. And the goal is like yeah. trying to say, hey, look, you need to wake up. Like this is where your focus is and this is where it needs to be. Yeah. So how can we help people or how would you say uh, uh, approach someone or a situation like that? You're stuck in this denial and when I'm trying to disrupt you mm-hmm. yeah. out of it so you can actually accomplish something, attain something and actually put you on the path that that we feel that God is leading you to. Yeah. And, and one thing I have found with that is for one, people have to be open to it. Yeah. And I have That's found true. many times, as I'm sure you have, you know, working mm-hmm. with young people, working with young adults, that they don't want to see it um, or they've kind of fooled themselves into a comfort zone of sorts mm-hmm. of like, you know, well, what does Mitzi know what she's talking about? What does Jay know what he's talking about? You know, I'm, I'm okay doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to church. I'm not missing church, but is missing, like being attendance to church cannot be equated to a strong relationship with God. Right. That, you right. know, just showing up doesn't mean I'm where I need to be with the Lord yep. because I participated in worship today mm. doesn't mean I'm where I'm, I need to be with God. Fast food. Yeah. We can't exactly. live off fast, fast food. food. And so there's got to be that recognition and them willing to, to say somebody else knows something that I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's it can it's can be a stubbornness, it can be a pride thing. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, is it is it more important to be right or do you want to be okay? Mm-hmm. You know, do I have to be right? Do I have to prove to Jay that I can keep doing this? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm okay right where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Or is it more important to me to say, maybe Jay's right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really not where I should be. I'm not getting where I should be. He knows that I know it, but I'm not willing to admit it. Mm-hmm. And what I try to do in those situations where somebody's not open mm-hmm. you know, to listening, and usually what I try to do, number one, is just engage in conversation. And and I have found that this our, our young adults of this age struggle with that because they avoid a phone conversation. 
you know, I think we all kind of got into that mode where it's like, oh, just text me, just text me, don't call me, don't make me talk to you, mm-hmm. you know, send me a text. But they miss that value of sitting face to face with someone and just having a conversation about life. And really being, and you talked about vulnerability earlier, how important that is. Well, the person that's, that needs to learn, that needs to grow, they've got to be willing to have that vulnerability too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and listen to some things and hear some things about themselves they don't want to hear. And they're not always pleasant to hear is that, you know, that this is an area that I need to change. And so, you know, I, I try to do one-on-one in that and mm-hmm. just say, hey, where do you want to be? Do you feel like this course of action is getting you there? It's almost like they need to see it for themselves. Yeah. And it's helping create create that visual in their mind mm-hmm. about, okay, you know, like if you do this, but what if you keep doing it your way? Yeah. Okay, what's the difference in the outcome there? Mm-hmm. You know, to be willing to listen to other input you know into their life and sometimes if they don't make it available i still try like in indirect ways Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know if i know somebody's struggling with something in particular to you know maybe maybe give it a place in a lesson that we're working on Mm -hmm. and reach out to them sometimes i know they're listening but i'm actually talking to somebody else about the same thing i know they're struggling with and even though sometimes they put up that face of like i'm not listening i don't need your help i've got this they don't want to admit it, so pride's there, mm-hmm. but they're listening. They're listening. They're listening. Yeah, they are. And so don't I, I just I, I like to tell people who are working with any any age group, keep talking. With Jen and Jacob, we call it pouring. I call mm-hmm. it pouring with them. Love that. And I said, you said you're gonna have people that it's gonna look like they're going nowhere. They don't want anything to do with us. They're not opening, they're not willing to be involved in the ministry when they're here. They almost distract everybody else because they're you know, they're just like, oh, doing their own wow. thing and, and really pulling away from the unity we're trying to make happen. Right. I said, but our job is not to change people. I said, we can't That's do it. that. Mm-hmm. I said, we are pouring and pouring and yeah, pouring and pouring mm-hmm. in the hopes that our pouring later on, they're like, you know what? I was really kind of like a little bit of a jerk and a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, ugly Sister Mitzi just kept, she kept hugging me. She kept showing up. She kept telling me that she loved me. She kept telling me she was proud of me. I've told young people, I'm proud of you. Not because maybe they've like, you know, passed some big milestone or whatever, but they're just showing up. Mm -hmm. Even when they don't look engaged, they're showing up. I'm proud of you. You came today. You opened yourself up to hear something. Yeah. You know, you made yourself available to be in the house of God Mm -hmm. and to just pour and pour and pour even like we can't base what we do on their reaction. That's it. Or we would often quit. Yeah. You know, because if they're not open to it, we still have to say my job is is not to gauge, you know, who's full, who's getting it, who doesn't getting get it. It's too discouraging. Yeah, it's too discouraging. Um and um, I, I I found a quote recently, and I loved it. It said that that living by faith is not trusting God in big for big things to happen. Okay. It's 
living, walking by faith is when you continue to show up again and again and do the work even when you don't see momentum. Mm. It's like being faithful in the dry season, being faithful when you're not seeing any harvest come out of it. You know, because sometimes you can work two, three, four years in a ministry and you feel like, I feel like I am pouring my heart and soul in this and I've got one person that I feel like is responding or I've got a couple of people. It's like you, you live through them. You don't, you don't know who you're talking to there. Mm -hmm. You know, you may be talking to the person that one day is going to, they're, they're just, they're so happy that you're willing to focus on them Mm -hmm. and they're soaking it up like a sponge. And one day they may blow your mind with the stuff they do. And you had a part in that. But you didn't yeah. see that at the time. Mm-hmm. That wasn't revealed to you then. They weren't at their yeah. peak or their prime or maybe even what you realized. You don't even realize where they were at that moment in their yeah. life. But you pour and you pour That's a, absolutely. and you pour. You keep pouring. I remember as you were saying that, um, I remember a specific um, testimony that somebody brought to me. Uh, I, was, I was still in my first five years maybe of, of youth pastoring. And this was already 12, 13 years ago. Like it's been a while. And we had a young man that came in um, to our youth night. And um, I knew that he was involved in a lot of different things. He was involved in gangs. He was involved in drugs. Um, at that point, he had already experienced uh, uh, juvenile detention and borderline already imprisonment in county and things like that. So... He came in very, very serious, but somehow, I don't know, I say it's the Holy Spirit that gave me discernment to to, um, to just kind of feel him and to kind of like, this is what you're trying to portray, but this is not really who you are. Yeah. Because every time I saw him, that's what I would feel. This is what you're trying to make people think you are, you, yeah. you know, that you're this person, you're hard, you're intimidating, you're, um, and, and I, I didn't believe that. That was not something that I planned that way or that I put too much thought into it, just something that now looking back, I understand it. I didn't understand it then. So I, I say that because the way that I reacted and I found out, I found this out later when he told me in the moment, the only thing that I would ever do, I would treat him like everybody else. It didn't matter to me what he looked like. Yeah. It didn't matter to me. His, 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 um, I didn't judge him for his experiences or for what he was struggling with. So every time that I came up to him, I would hug on him. I I would ask him uh, about his day. I would come and talk to him, interest myself in his life. And I've always been a person that I'm never going to give unsolicited advice. If somebody doesn't ask me a specific question, unless yeah. I'm mentoring a person yeah. and, and it's an understood conversation, then that's different. Um, but I'm never going to give unsolicited advice. So I wasn't going to just step into this young man's life and say, hey, you know, you need to do this rather than than this. That person already knew he was outside of God's will. I didn't have to go and mm-hmm. emphasize that or make him feel judged or make him feel worse for his lifestyle. So I just felt in the moment, I, I felt driven by the spirit to just love on him, hug on him, talk to him, be interested in his life. So fast forward years later, he continues the drug path continues the the addiction path, the juvie path. Uh, the, he did some some time in, in um, I believe it was county. I don't remember, but he was incarcerated for for a short amount of time. Later, we reconnect again. He's a completely different person. Yeah, he's a completely different person, 
And years later, he comes back to me and he says, do you know why I kept coming to those youth nights? Do you know why um, I would let you talk to me? I could have walked away. He goes, because you kept loving on me. Yeah. Every time I saw you, you would just come and hug me. And and he goes, you made me feel loved and accepted. Yeah. You gave him the one thing he was desperate for. Yeah. Yeah. And then that just completely marked me. And I, I didn't know in the moment then, but now looking in hindsight, how, how important, how essential is just simply loving on people oh, yeah. and not judging them for what they look like. And it's so easy for, um, I'm going to just flat out say it, apostolics, Pentecostals, seeing someone that doesn't look like you yeah, and, say, and say, well, I'm going to sit over here. Yeah. Like, no, no, like that's, that's not part of the commission. No, no. That's not yeah. discipleship. That's not mentoring. You grew up in this, so you know about it. Yeah, yeah. For the ones that did. But what about the ones that just came in and the only thing they know is the first 20, 25 years of their life is a specific lifestyle. Yeah. It's they all didn't they grow know. up in it. No, it's all they know. Love is still essential key to mentoring and discipleship, I believe. Oh, yeah. You, you, can't, you can't go anywhere without it. And you've, at the end of the day, it's like we're, we, we are called to win. And, and the, there's a verse in Proverbs that says that he that winneth souls is wise. Mm-hmm. And I, you, you can take that scripture a lot of different ways and say, oh, it's wise to win souls. But I've always loved to look at that scripture is that to win a soul, I have to use wisdom. Yeah. And I have to love them where they are and not like, you know, and when you do that, whether people embrace what you've told them or not, you are giving them a true and pure form of Christianity that they can never deny, that they can't walk away from. Because it's like regardless of whether, you know, Mitzi knew I live a homosexual lifestyle Mm -hmm. or I've embraced this or I've embraced that, you know, she loved me. She treated me with respect, mm-hmm. you know, and, and these people are God's creation and they're not always, um, you know, people are going to come in, in with, with baggage and hurt and, and having survived things that we could never even dream of going through. And if, and if they can't find love and healing in the house of God, where mm-hmm. else are they going to find it? Right. You know, and that's, that's why they're there. You know, it's like we want them to have, you know, an encounter with the love of God. Yeah. Not feel judged. It's like if we if we live the life that we're supposed to and live what's right, that in and of itself will convict people. I don't have to tell somebody you're not doing this or you should be doing this. It's like I, I want them to fall in love with who I've committed my life to. I want them to fall yeah. in love with God right. because they see something in me that is so noble, that mm-hmm. is so pure mm-hmm. that they're like, I want that. Yeah. Right. I want whatever she has. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with like, you know, her the the amount that she pulls back or how she separates from certain things. I don't, I don't agree that maybe this is wrong or that's wrong. But this is real. They, people yeah. can't deny that when mm. you live under the um, the authority of the Spirit of God and you allow that to dictate 
and how you treat and how you deal with others. Yeah. And, and we can't do it any other way. We have to love people. I, I've seen backsliders struggle to come in and and we don't know what they've been exposed to and they come back into the church and they're trying to figure out and we're like oh they know the truth they need mm-hmm. to get back they need to get themselves together mm-hmm. you know we just expect everything to snap back all oh, they go to the altar they pray everything's good no when when people have have you know had an experience with God and they walk away and they realize that it's hard enough to come back without feeling like you're being sized up by everybody Yeah, you know, that I don't yeah. have a place of safety to go to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like, like church is home. Mm-hmm. Church should be a safe place. Exactly. A safe place. It, it, it should be. Yeah. It should be. And it's unfortunate in, at times that, that sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be out fishing and we're pushing them away. Yeah. Instead yeah. of catching them, we're, we're sending them, sending them back home empty. Yeah. And that's why I love equipping. I love discipleship. I love conversations like these because you have no idea how much this already up to this point has blessed me so much and has taught me so much already. And I know that it's going to do that for other people as well. And and there, I hope that somebody does get that value from it and can cherish that. Um, so I, I've, I believe that we'll, we won't look, in, in any other case, we won't look more like Jesus than when we're sitting and loving the people that the world doesn't want. Exactly. With the broken, with the with the and we're all we're all sinful. And at the same time the people that have struggled in life, the people that have uh that that have backstories, the people that have experienced uh abuse and the, the people that have been mistreated. It's like if we're supposed to be God's image yeah. If we're supposed to be God's image and representing and living out the word and the truth that we claim to believe, then we need to look like Jesus in the sense of doing the things that Jesus did. Yeah. Sitting, sitting with the sinful. Sitting, sitting at meat with sinners. Sinners. Yeah. yeah. De- dealing with what they considered like that. This is that. Well, we don't mix with them. You know, right. we don't do that. Right. Like he turned everything upside down. Exactly. I mean, we just had. Um, a lesson uh, this past Thursday night, my sister-in-law taught, um, you know, on servant leadership. Yeah. And a lot of times it's like, you know, Jesus didn't wash the disciples' feet as a, oh, here's a good example of something you could do or should do. No, he was showing them, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be like me, mm-hmm. this is what we do. This is what this is what leadership, this is what mm-hmm. serving looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, the greatest will be the least. The least will be the greatest. There's yeah. no, um, and and we've got to do that with one another, and we most definitely have to do that that with those that that we're winning, that right. we're trying to win, that we're trying to share the gospel with. Um, you know, it, it's that loving and serving, um, and and that willingness to go out of our way, and um, you know, for the needs of somebody else. Absolutely, and that is a struggle in itself. Because automatically, we want to think of self. Mm-hmm. Automatically, we want to put ourselves first, put ourselves in that position. But we'll look more like Jesus when we put others first. Yeah. And representing that image of, of, of God and that, that image of Christ is, is never been more prevalent than whenever we do that. Mm-hmm. Sit with the sinners and actually be interested in what they have to say. And you'll be surprised how much, um, how much more of, uh, 
how much more of discipleship you can learn from taking the time and being open to those questions. So that kind of leads me to this. How, how can we encourage others to speak up and guide those who are seeking and asking questions? And the reason why I phrase it that way and I ask that is because sometimes we shy away. Yeah. Well, they don't want to hear from me. Mm-hmm. My story is not relevant to them. What am I going to say? Yeah. And it, you'll be surprised on how we can actually be encouraging others to no, no speak up. Yeah. Be present in their life. Yeah. Listen to those questions. Look for look for the body language. Look for the tone. Where can you present Jesus in the gospel? And seeking those questions and, and seeing where um, where the voids are is essential. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there is that every, like, there's that intimidation, yeah. you know, and what do I have to offer? And, and I guess this could go either way. Like, I don't know if your intent was like in the mentoring process or when we're dealing with those that are churched or when we're dealing with the lost. Mm-hmm. You don't know which way you're wanting to go with it, but I think... I either way, I think it comes down to the human experience. Mm-hmm. And when you, like anybody can can get down and teach a devotional on the gospel mm-hmm. or like, here's a scripture I read and here are my thoughts on this. You know, here's what, it, but when you can relay something to someone, that that's where we get connected. It's not on thoughts, not on what book you've read or what book I've read mm-hmm. or, or whatever, but it is on our human experience. Right. What have I gone through? Yeah. What What is my background? What was my family life like growing up? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what did I deal with? And we never know, like, what someone's story is or what they're struggling with. And that every, like, I think we all have something to give. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to realize that, that God called us to love and to serve one another. And, and when I reach out to you and I'm like, hey, you know, keep, keep doing what you're doing, Jay. I just, I just want, you know, I want to share something with you. You mm-hmm. know, that this happened when I was younger and, and it has an impact on me and I struggled with it. And I just want, you know, that I just feel like you, you're, you're going to do great in this area or, or whatever you're doing, like, I think we're all called to to pull one another. Right. Um, we just started something um, in in the LTNTDV with our with our Jules Ministry that that kind of came up, you know, started up a couple of years ago, and they're doing what they're calling my sister's keeper, and realizing that everybody needs that hand up, everybody needs that word of encouragement. Yes. That it's not always a big thing. Sometimes it's a small thing that says, you know wow, you're really growing in what you're doing, that you're doing great at this. Mm-hmm. Or if you see a gap there, mm-hmm. like helping them grow in that, you right. know, um, and and realizing that you do have something to share. You don't have to be a Bible scholar mm-hmm. to, to even encourage somebody who's in ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they just, like sometimes the ministry, those that are that are teaching and preaching to us every week and, and, and pouring into us, they just seem to realize, hey, that is making a difference. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like like that helped me. That touched me. Yeah, it did. Um, you know, I taught a lesson at one of our midweek devotions a couple of weeks ago, and someone that 
you know, I, I didn't know that that was a, a particular struggle for them or an area of their, their, their life that they were really focusing on. And they made the remark to me, they're like, okay, well, that one hit me, Stramitzi. Like, I, I really needed that in my life. And so what does that do to me? That encourages me. Absolutely. And says, okay, yeah. don't, don't back down. Even if you feel like, well, does everybody need this? Am I teaching the right thing for my group right now? You know, do we have the right focus? If it's from the word and it's valuable for life, pour it, Absolutely. love them. And it encourages me. Like I, I, they don't have to know something that I don't know to help me or to help me grow in my life. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's it's that life experience that people learn from that that, that we share with. That's what we end up relating to. That's you know, it. Shared. Right that's the connection. Shared loss, shared happiness, um, it, all of those things that are the human experience. Um, you know, because we've talked about it before, like when you teach. Sometimes you feel like, okay, I'm losing my group. Oh, they're yeah. they're like, yeah. you start, you start making it personal. That's it. That's you the know secret where right I there. struggled with this. You know what happened when I was a teenager. You know what happened to me one time. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, everybody that was had their minds somewhere else or wasn't following you as you're reading the scriptures, they're like, hold on, mm-hmm. what happened to you? Mm-hmm. We love a story. Yeah. We yeah. love, humans love a good story. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We love a good storyline. We want to know, well, who are you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, I didn't know you struggled with that. I didn't know you ever had a time in your life where you were at that place in Come your on. life. Yeah, I thought it. you were like, no, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think we, we can't be, um, we can't step back from what we bring to the table. Right. Because really, if we do that, we're saying, okay, God, you, you made a mistake with me. Mm, yeah. You know, I don't have anything to offer. What I have is not good enough. God's mm. saying, no, you know, you, you, you were made for this. You've got somebody in your realm yeah. that you're going to win. You, you've got a gifting that you are going to excel in, you know, because that's my will for you. Yeah, yeah. And, and so we don't want to tell God, okay, God, you made a mistake. I'm... Who am wow. I? I have anything to offer. Wow. No, we all do. Yeah. So not not allowing our gifts to develop and not stepping into those those difficult conversations or that vulnerability, then sometimes it allows or it portrays a it communicates a message saying that God got it wrong with us. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was having an awesome conversation with um, uh, Brother Ron Smith when he was on the podcast. We were recording together, and, and he's he's amazing. We had such a good conversation, and we talked a lot about communication. And um, as you were saying that, that, it made me think every time you open the Bible, the Red Sea is going to part every single time you read it. Yeah. You read about the people of Israel going through the desert the same amount of time. The time doesn't change. They didn't yeah. spend a day more, a day less. Every time you story. read it, it's the same story. Yeah. Jesus is going to resurrect from the, temp- from, from, the, from the tomb on the third day every yeah. single time you read it. Yeah. And Thomas is going to doubt every single time yeah. you read it. So what I'm trying to say is that every time that we share a message, we can talk about these great things. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. It's living absolutely. We give it its credit. But how does it become real to the person? Yes. And being able to communicate that clearly is going to hinge on our transparency and our vulnerability. Yeah. And then that's exactly what you're just saying. It becomes real to the person. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't know that you struggled with that. Yeah. I didn't know that you had that experience. So 
I've always told people and I've always applied this to my life, my, my personal life that the Jesus, I have a personal relationship with, with Jesus and communicating that to people and encouraging people to have their own relationship with, with God and in, in, in itself and their own. Now we read the same Bible, we read the same scripture, but that's going to apply to me differently. Like God's going yeah. to mold me, speak to me in a different way, but there's in the same thing, in the same way, there's people that, that relate to your story in, in a, in a very intimate way because they're not going to tell anybody about it. So whenever we, we communicate in front of people, we share a message Oftentimes, actually, every time that we do it, it's actually taking a step of faith. Yes. We're taking a step of faith and we believe that God is the one that put it in our heart, that put it in us to give to the people. And then at the same time, we don't know for a fact that that's the word that they need. So it's a step of faith. And then whenever you do get that kind of feedback, that's the biggest encouragement. Like in my preference... I would much rather hear, you know what? Thank you for that word. Like that, that blessed me because that's what I'm going through rather than you did, you did a great job. Yes. Yes. I, and I don't want that to come off a certain like it way. It was relevant for me. It was relevant. Yeah. Like it, it touched in something where I, I needed a change in my life. Yes. Because it, it's different. Like you said, it's different than my execution was good. Right, like right, right, right. all you brought out, all the points just at the right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's different when they say, you just taught me how to conquer something I'm working on. Yeah, yeah. You know, how, how to deal with that. And I think that is the most critical thing about the word of God is you, you can read through it. And like you said, those stories do not change. Right. Okay. Right. And I can read them a million times. I can do my Bible read throughs. But at what point, when do I learn to apply it to my life? Yeah. That is where true change happens. That's where That's I can go to the next level with yeah. it. It's because I've learned how to take what happened in that story in the mm -hmm. desert mm -hmm. when they were walking around. Why were they walking around? Because they missed something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They missed something. They got it wrong. Well, how do I apply that into my life? What am I missing? Mm -hmm. What am I getting wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and that that's where I think the, the knowledge base and having wisdom and, and being willing to discipline ourselves to grow in God, to grow in grace, to rightly divide the word, to just pour ourselves to be students of the word, that's where we see it take root and begin to grow in our life when we can apply it mm -hmm. to life circumstances and and pour it into others absolutely absolutely and i love that now that's why i love our, our conversation because i think in mentoring and discipleship i, I think that's where people grow the most mm -hmm. and you can get the sound bites you can get the sound clips on social media and that's good you know it's a quick little nuggets you know that encourage you or give you good reminders but you can't live off of fast food no. like we were discussing earlier you can't live off of just one off sundays and and hearing a percentage of the message um like like you mentioned coming in and listening to something we don't capture the 100 percent of it because we get distracted we get we wander off and we think about other things and we don't get the full the f the full download yeah yeah. And um, 
being able to do it on our own and in mentoring discipleship conversations like these round tables, small communities, small groups, uh, midweek small groups, things like that. Those are so essential. And Sister Mitzi, I, I, I feel like this, this has really truly blessed my life. Same, and same. I always enjoy our conversations always. And I, and I, I had no idea I was going to go to a lot of the, a lot of the areas that we touched on, but I just felt like it was led by, led by the spirit. And, um, I'm just so grateful for your life. I'm grateful for your ministry. I'm grateful for uh, your servant heart and your willingness to continually sacrifice yourself for others, not only just young people, but just ministry in general. And I know there's great things coming for for LT, Life Tabernacle, uh, even the Spanish ministry, Tabernacle de Vida. Yeah. And I, I love your church, your pastors, Pastor Hopkins, Pastor Monday, uh, phenomenal leaders, uh, phenomenal preachers, phenomenal families and men of God. And, there's, I can go on and on. And, um, they've been, um, your family, you know, without even knowing has, has been uh, pivotal for my life. Um, there's a, there's a very tight knit relationship, uh, back, back in the earlier days of their time, my grandmother and, um, um, sister Hopkins's mother, Aww. she was my grandmother's mentor. I don't know if you knew that. I, I don't know uh, if we Rodriguez. had shared that before. I think it seemed like last time we had talked, you had mentioned that, and I had forgotten about it, though. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like we we just connected to your family like a long time ago, and um, yeah, it, it's just it, it's been tremendous. And I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we had the opportunity to do this. And I want to thank you so much for taking time to bring in so much value, and not only just giving your time, but so much value into this conversation. And I know that it's going to bless so many people, and and I hope that they share it and they grow from this conversation. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me today. It's all always an honor, always a pleasure. And, you know, like we've talked about, we don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers, but I feel like when, when there's that desire to grow ourselves and to grow and pour into others, that when we meet like this, it's like yeah. later on this conversation, I'm going to take a nugget away from it. You know, word you said or something that we talked about because yeah. I'm thinking of it one way and then you take it a whole different direction, mm -hmm. you know, because that's what happens when we talk and when yeah. we share together the principles of the word of God. It's like, it shoves them deeper. We each make each other. It's like yeah. iron sharpened We're sharpening. iron. You know, I'm we, sharpening we think today. about stuff. Yes. Same. You, made, you made me sharper. We think about stuff that, you know, we like, well, I didn't think about it in that context, you know, and yeah, it makes yeah. us more aware Absolutely. as we go forward and we serve and we minister to others. So yeah. You know, I love the ministry that you're doing and I know it's blessing, you know, young people's lives. And, you know, I'm working with two that are both family and that, you know, yeah. you guys yeah, we love mentor them. and work with we too, uh, same as I am. And you're, you're mentoring them in other areas and ways that I can't, you know, and I'm working with them from another direction. And I hope it just, that was unplanned know, by the way, it just kind of happened for them, you know? Yeah. And that just kind of happened on organically on its own. And um, I think it's mutual, you know, the value is mutual um, with them. So my wife and I have always had uh, roundtable conversations with uh, different people going back years, and that was unplanned. It's just we took an opportunity to where somebody said, hey, I need to talk to you. Then, well, then come over, let's have a cup of coffee, yeah, and then we'll yeah. go from there. We're never trying to make it fancy. Let's go to Starbucks. Let's go to a bowling alley. Let's do this. Yeah. And that's fine in every in every context. But there's something just special and in just setting a a, a – establishing a setting where someone can be safe yes. and vulnerable and say, look, I'm bleeding. I need help. Yeah. Yeah. And be face to face. Some of the most precious conversations I've had through the years have been just in those type of settings 
where they feel, okay, this is my safe place, and they feel they feel that um, that liberty to to draw from you yeah. and to really pour their heart out where they can get the help that they need. Um, and you know, and I'm hoping that I can just keep pulling that because I, I don't want to make this generation something that they're not. But I also want, I don't want them to lose the, the core values yeah, that yeah. you don't need to lose from that. You don't need to trash everything your parents did. Right. Everything is not, a, no, we add to that foundation. Absolutely. You know, we add to what other people put blood, sweat, and tears into. And we take all the good and all the value that we were, we came, we became what we are because of that foundation. Yeah. The building you know, blocks. and so I don't want them to lose the, the, um, the value of conversations like this where yeah. we sit down together and it's not this, it's not a quick thing. It's not something done on the fly. No, we sit down and we're very honest about where we are in life and we learn from one another. You know, I think that sets a stage for next time you come back. We're going to talk about deconstructions. Oh. Today we talked about distractions and deceptions <laughs> and mentoring and uh, follow on that path. And I think we're going to go on deconstructing and reconstructing on the truth. Maybe. Looking forward to so, it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good. Part two. There you go, part two. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so I want to thank all of our listeners too. Uh, for tuning in thank you for tuning in and staying staying in the conversation this long bring your notepad share it with somebody think of someone else when you hear these things and you can help somebody else and share share it with them and there's huge value in that and before we go i want you to remember this that you are called you are seen and you are loved and that's the truth yes hey, i want to thank you for being part of our conversation today in the description below, you will find links where you can connect with our guests today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss out on anything. Also, if you would like to contribute in helping us reach others, I invite you to do so simply by leaving a good rating, leave a review, or even share it on your social media. And that would mean so much to me. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you in the description below. You will also find links where we can connect. You can let me know how this was helpful to you. You can visit my blog page where you can find more helpful content like this at inspired, the number two, inspired.org. Inspired, the number two, inspired.org. For now, continue moving forward in the direction God is leading you. You can continue moving closer and becoming what God has called you to be so you can be impactful in every area of your life. God bless, and we'll see you on the next one.